I'm Martin Wilson, and this is The Next Turn, powered by ProTurn.io. The Next Turn is the home of conversations about skiing, ski racing, and sport. So thank you for joining us in the pursuit of better, to be better athletes, better coaches, better parents, and better fans. This week, a conversation with World Cup moms, Barbara Ann Cochran, Joanne Gray, and Karen Monson. Welcome back to the next turn. It's good to have you back here. I am a lucky man because I, as always, have Kara Williams and Jeff Vibert by my side. Kara, how are you doing over there? Awesome, Martin. Good to see you. Jeff, how are you doing? How's your voice today? Yeah, I've been a little under the weather. I apologize for my voice. I don't, I'm not sure. I lost it on the weekend yelling at some U14s, I think. But <laughs> hey, how awesome was Vengen, you guys? Does it scare the shit out of you, Martin? That these guys on, you know, 220 centimeter downhill skis are doing a snowplow. That's scary. But honestly, I found the slalom quite scary. It was an obstacle course. It was terrifying. <laughs> um, and and honestly, the women's St. Anton Super G was taking no prisoners either. It was, it was a tough weekend of ski racing all around, but incredible results. So um, a lot of good stuff. This week, we have an incredible conversation with three smart, experienced mothers of World Cup ski racers that have seen some shit, done some shit, and are nice enough to share what they know. Um, we're really fortunate to have them. Barbara Ann Cochran, Karen Monson from Sweden, and Joanne Gray from British Columbia. But let's get this conversation framed up properly. Jeff, why don't you give us the hard facts on these three incredible women? Barbara Ann Cochran, former former World Cup ski racer and Olympic gold medalist, a member of the National Ski Hall of Fame, a member of the Skiing Cochrans, mother to Caitlin, and of course, World Cup athlete Ryan Cochran Siegel. Karen Monson, U.S.-born resident of RA Sweden. Karen met her husband, Johan, in college in the U.S. and later moved to Sweden. She is a mother of four ski racing boys, Max, Sam, Zach, and World Cup ski racer Felix Monson, who is returning from a devastating injury suffered in 2021 in a downhill at Val d'Isere. And last but not least, Joanne Gray from Panorama BC, avid ski racing volunteer official and technical delegate, mother of six children, all ski raced at some point, Brody, Jax, Dylan, Tayton, of course, World Cup ski racer, Cassidy Gray, and up-and-comer Alberta team, Zoe Gray. Kara, if those are the hard facts, what's the story? This is a really insightful conversation with three women from very different backgrounds, a Canadian, an American, and a Swedish-American, and they're all united by the sport that their children love and have excelled in. And they speak to us about the role of the parent versus the role of coaches and what life lessons can be learned by being a ski racer. And they also put in perspective what kind of what, what an individual race or even a full season means in the grand scheme of a child's life. And they discuss how important it is for an athlete to identify as more than just a ski racer. They discuss anxiety and worries in both parents and athletes, as well as uh, if they're able to watch their children race and how they're able to watch their children race. Of course, they also talk about the dreading phone calls from coaches and doctors and how difficult it is to watch your child compete in a very dangerous sport with inherent risks and inevitable injuries. It's a really frank conversation, and I hope our listeners enjoy getting to know Joanne Gray, Barbara Ann Cochran, and Karen Monson. Thank you for that. I appreciate that, teeing it up properly for us. 
We won't keep you any further. Here is our conversation with Karen, Barbara, and Joanne here on The Next Turn. Again, I really appreciate it. I think it's going to be really interesting to hear what mothers that have seen some shit and done some shit (laughs) 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 think is the important shit. (laughs) And figuring out what it is the important shit. Yeah, and quite honestly, the process of of what you got to go through to to figure it out. Um, so, so I'm clear and I don't speak out of turn. Um, Joanne, you, you worked with Alberta Alpine. Is that right? Yeah. What? So I was uh, starting off in the club level. I was the president of the club for um, uh, for six years. And then I switched and I became the, I moved into Alberta Alpine, the provincial organization. And I was the chair for, um, five to six years there. And then once I left there, I started the University of Calgary Dino Ski Team. Oh, wow. And Thank you that, for doing that, by the way. Yeah, it's, oh, what a what a fantastic, rewarding program it is to just give those athletes the opportunity to be a student athlete and combine the university with the skiing. It's it's opened so many doors for them. It's it's really, it's been great. And it's totally athlete focused, which is what I love. And if it's good for the athletes, we do it. If it's not, it's a non-starter. And I'm the chair of that board. And um, you're no nonsense. No, I, I. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm also a mom of six kids, so I'm really no nonsense. <laughs> that, that's, you have to be, huh? it has to be disciplined like that. Uh, Karen, how many kids do you have? Uh, four boys. Four boys. Mm-hmm. How many are ski racers? They all have been ski racers. Um, two have quit. Um, are you know they're thirty one and thirty now. Um, and then Felix is still rehabbing his crash from Val Gardena last World Cup last year. And then uh, Zach at the Swedish Championships, he pulled his patella tendon. Um, which is the exact same thing Felix had done in December. So it was pretty wild. So he's also rehabbing. Barbara, we were just saying uh, Joanne's got six kids, two ski racers, a couple hockey players. What else? No, actually, they're they're all uh, they were all ski racers. Um, oh, I thought there were some hockey players too. Wow. <laughs> My kids don't like to just do one sport. They seem to look oh. at the calendar, and if there's a little spot in that calendar to add another sport, they do that. Um, so they they did do hockey, um, and then uh, it was actually our eldest that didn't really like hockey. He actually thanked God that when hockey was over, that it was over. So we kind of, my husband and I kind of looked at each other, like, oh, we all looks like we better find another sport. And skiing was it. We went to COP, signed them up, and next thing you know. All six of them, um, their primary would be would be ski racing, but Cassidy, all of them did hockey as well, at least up to the point where they did some tournaments and then the ski racing kind of conflicted. So they selected the hockey, but Cassidy played up to um, uh, Bantam. So she was right up there. She played with the boys up to Bantam. So they looks like she play. plays with the boys. She skis like she played with the boys. It's awesome. <laughs> I love that. Um did you, were you and your husband skiers? Did you come from a background of skiing? Um, I I did ski, but it was recreate. Well, it was recreational. Um, I was part of a club. I ski raced at Georgian Peaks, um, and I was part of a club at Georgian Peaks. 
but my, I was really a high school ski racer and probably now that I look back, maybe not for the most pure sense of the reasons why you want to ski race. It was more for the time off school and the the boys and the fun that we had ski racing. I was not good. I was not a good ski racer, but it sure makes me appreciate watching these kids come down the track and, and all the fortitude they have to come down that race course. It's, it's pretty impressive. It's impressive. And it's a little silly. Um, what they do to themselves. Um, Karen, you, not a skier, you, you, not a, a, Cal- skier. a no. California girl ended up in Sweden at the bottom of RA at racing ski race boys. How did that come about? Oh gosh. I, yeah, I did not know what I was getting into. Um, met Johan at university of Wyoming. He was on the ski team. I was on the swim team. We met in the weight room and, um, went back to California, got married. And then two years later, we moved to Sweden. Um, our first son was born in 91. Um, I was being a swimmer. I was like volunteering with, with the swim club. And when I think Max was like four, they were thinking about, um, we had like a little ski hill outside of Stockholm and it was no, nobody was using it. So they were basically just going to like, you know, shut it down. And so Johan, um, has such good memories with his, you know, ski racing career. So he started like a, a ski lekkus, I guess. I mean, all my terminology for ski racing is based in Swedish because I didn't even like know the English words for all this. It sounds and, fancy. I like it. <laughs> where the parents, you know, dressed up. We had every weekend and when they grilled hot dogs and the kids got to play and it grew, the club grew within like two years to like 300 members with 300 kids. Um, it was crazy, but it, it was so much fun. And so that's kind of how that started. So the kids were involved and it was the same um, with Joanne. I mean, our kids were doing, I was also a tennis player. So they were doing swimming, tennis, um, track and field, soccer, of course, because everyone plays soccer and, and ski racing. And then when they got to that age, it was kind of like, you know, the swimming, it was like, that's also at an early age when he was like, Max was like 11 or 12. He was really good, but they wanted him to start training four t- four days a week. And he, I remember him looking at me going, um, mom, I really don't want to train swimming four days a week. Um, and they all just love ski racing. That was the sport they chose, all of them. Barbara, if, if Joanne and Karen fell into the sport of ski racing, you did not. <laughs> no. <laughs> you you uh, were born and, and raised in it, multi-generational um, family at Cochrane Scary, which I, every time I drive by, I, I smile. Um, I just think it's the, the root of all things holy in our sport. Um, can you talk a little bit about n- not only your background, but did Ryan even have a chance to be anything but a skier? <laughs> If you want, yes, he did. If he wanted to do something else, it was okay by us. A lot of people think that because of the the skiing that's in our background, that of course, like everybody goes into skiing. But um, my brother Bob had a daughter who hated going to to the the ski hill, and so I think when she was about maybe twelve or so. Um, he stopped bringing her because she just wanted to play the video games in the lodge instead of going out and skiing. So my daughter 
like she she was kind of a rebel between um like her cousins and and ryan and her like she didn't i think i think part of it was that it, it was it was a hard hard act to follow to follow all these you know like you i mean by that time i think there were u.s ski team racers and plus i mean the four of us of my generation and then um so she rebelled and she she wanted to uh just snowboard she didn't care about competing she she just wanted to snowboard so but i would always ask her in the fall i'd say you know do you want to do you want to race this year because you know i need to get the vera license i need to get the fist license i need to figure out the equipment for you and and so um, I'd have to know that by the beginning of October. And in October, she would always say, yeah, she did want to, but then she'd get to January and she'd say, no, no, I, I really don't want to race this year. And I'd say, Caitlin, you've made the commitment <laughs> for the season. So next year, if you decide you don't want to do it, that's fine. But this year you're going to finish out the season. So, <laughs> so there's like, it was kind of a juggling act as to, you know, whether or not, but yeah, there's a lot of skiing in our family. A lot. <laughs> I, bet, I bet there is. Karen, as someone who's not a skier, but the parents of a ski family, it's funny hearing Barbara saying it's okay if you're not a ski racer. Do you ever try to convince your kids not to be a ski racer? <laughs> I've had so many outbursts during the years where I would scream, what's wrong with swimming? It's so much easier. <laughs> um, we kind of laugh just because, I mean, I was not, I didn't know anything about ski racing. I mean, I knew the Mayer brothers, you know, because you watch the Olympics or, you know, and things like that growing up. But the DNFs and skiing just kind of blew me away because, you know, we, we live where we live. I mean, we'd ha you'd have to drive pretty far to go to these races. And, you know, we didn't have a whole lot of money and we would, you know, rent these little cabins. And we in the Swedish style is where you bring like all your sheets, you bring your towels, you know, I would pack food. And, you know, you drive like eight hours or six hours to these races and then bang, DNF. And you're like, wow, that went fast. I mean, <laughs> like a DNF in swimming, you're laying at the bottom of the pool. I mean, you just <laughs> and in tennis, at least you get to play, you know, at least maybe an hour or so. So, I mean, it was just um, I mean, I didn't really care what kind of sport they they wanted to do. They all love soccer and they 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 went pretty far with you know, playing soccer. Now they all are super happy that I taught them tennis and they played a lot of tennis because they have so much fun with that now that they're older. But um, there was no way like I pushed them into ski racing. Absolutely not. That was kind of like my husband's deal. He was the one that, you know, <laughs> when they were little and took care of all the, the gear and tuning skis and things like that. So I've always kind of felt a little bit of an outsider in this sport, to tell you the truth, even though I've, you know, volunteered as I've volunteered for everything. Um, and that was probably the only thing I would say with ski racing is it was a little intimidating getting into. I found a lot of coaches early on. I mean, I think it's gotten better, but a lot of coaches early on, they were all parents in Sweden because they don't really have paid coaches until they are a little bit older, you know, into high school. 
but um, it was kind of macho style, I thought, personally. So I, you I don't was, say, huh? I was a little intimidated. <laughs> Joanne, I, I want to, Karen mentioned relationships with coaches. I think you, you're lucky enough to have a, an incredible program, programs in Panorama. Uh, Mark Sharp is an incredible coach, runs an incredible program. Can you talk about sort of the fundamentals of what your relationship is, how you set up the dynamics between you and a coach and your child? What are the ground rules for the three of you? Well, there are ground rules that have kind of been established like since the beginning. Um, you know, uh, Brody started the kind of the trend of the six kids all ski racing and he started late in the ski racing world, which means he started at 10 and not eight. So <laughs> even that concept, Blasphemy. I was Blasphemy. Like, what, you know, and, and I think that sometimes when they're labeled that way, that carries with them, but he was, he's, he was an amazing ski racer. He went to second year fists. Um, he enjoyed it, his friends. And, and it really was a learning for us because in Panorama and, and Mark Sharp, I didn't know who Mark Sharp was, you know, I'm like, who's this guy, you know, Mark Sharp that everybody's talking about. I haven't even heard about him, but Brody camps home one day and he's like, Oh, Mark's on the hill. Mark's on the hill. And I'm thinking, who is Mark? Uh, you know, this big lunch conversation and Mark Sharp. And I'm like, who is it? this guy like so and and I remember thinking this is it's it's the hierarchy right but then now like Mark Sharp could be my brother like we get along that well and we have such mutual respect for each other you know he's I've done a lot of officiating in the sport I I was like you Karen I really didn't know much about it the first thing I did was a Linda Putnam race here with 250 athletes we set up two dual courses and we had the race done in two and a half hours and, and then they could go home because we wanted the efficiency and the cost and everything that we respected, as you were saying about ski racing and they were U12s. So when I came in, this was the first race and I'm thinking, Oh my word, this is crazy. Like how many volunteers do you need? 60. And you have to set this entire arena up and everything. This is nuts. So I was, uh, we, we, you learn as you go on. So, and I, and I jumped in, I'm, I'm big on enabling and I'm, I'm also enabling people to do what they can do best. And I'm also big on, if you're not helping, you're hurting. So I don't, didn't want to be the person just standing up by the side. So I got, I engaged. And the first day, I think I was just the assistant starter. And by the end of the day, I think I was what they call the start ref. <laughs> <laughs> but by the end of that race and then now I'm at national TD and and I I do chief of races for the fist races here I was part of the world junior championships here in panorama I absolutely love it it's an amazing community and that mutual respect with the coach we went hand in hand in terms of our learning you know um, and Mark has taught me a lot about it and I just think that you you have to, you have respect for the coach. I am, every time I have a race, especially a fist race, I thank the coaches for their impact that they have on the athletes because I want them to know they have a huge impact on our athletes. And so I thank them. And, and, and in terms of, of understanding the relationship with the skier and the coach, that's for them to, to get their relationship. I don't, I don't interact. I, I usually, my first thing, like, when they come down to the bottom of the hill after a race, 
I won't say, oh, yeah, look at that turn. Look at that turn. Oh, yeah, how about that? I listen to what they have to say. And then my my first thing is, you know, obviously I love you because whether what they do in that ski race is irrelevant to, to whether I love them or care about what I'm doing or if I'm there or not there. I'd be there no matter what because I love to see them compete. But then my next question is, what did your coach say? Because I'm not going to be the one sitting there trying to help them. Because I, I'm the mom, I'm the one that brings the perspective of what that race really means in the world of, of their life. And their coach is there to give them their information, not me. So we, and so we have a mutual understanding between me and coaches. Yeah. Karen, Joanne just mentioned her role. Part of it was being a mom and part of it was bringing perspective. Mm-hmm. What's, what have you established your role as in, in the four boys? in their athletic career as skiers. What's your role and how has that evolved from when they started to, like, what's your role now and for Felix, who's coming back from injury and making his comeback? What's your job as a mom? I've always said my job is kind of ground crew. I mean, you know, I'm just like the one that makes sure everything else works, you know, around their ski racing. Um, you know, if they need rides, if they need food, if they, you know, just all that other kind of stuff, because I'm not, I'm not a skier. I mean, I'd love to ski now, but I mean, when you were saying your boy, you know, was late at 10, I mean, I was like 22. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, if I was to give them advice on ski racing, they would just look at me like, what the hell are you saying? So, you know, that's definitely not my role. Felix now is a resident. He's moved down to Innsbruck. So he has decided that, you know, he wants to stay down there. It's closer to training and all that kind of stuff. So he um, was living in like a shoebox apartment um, until recently. Um, We kind of helped him, you know, buy his first place. And um, and so now he's wanting me to come down because he needs um, decorating tips. (laughs) (laughs) I'm, I'm kind of, that's where I am with, you know, helping them out um, with their ski racing. Yeah. I'll take that. I'll take that. That sounds kind of, kind of a peaceful role. Um, Barbara, I, I called Joanne the other day and I felt bad because it was a uh, Vermont number that she didn't recognize. And, and I felt, she, she, I think she was a little worried <laughs> that she got a call from Vermont because her daughter was racing at the Norams. And I used to call, whenever I called a parent as a coach, I'd call and say, everything's okay. Mm-hmm. Just just start there. Brian's gone through a few yeah. long, nasty injuries. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I have two questions. What does that feel like? And do you switch modes as a, as a, as a mother when you're, like, how does it how does it work? How do you find out your kid gets hurt and what happens to you? Well, the, the first big injury was at from world championships in mm-hmm. 2013. And that's where he really wrecked his knee pretty badly. And um, I was trying to find someplace that I could live stream it, but it, but it wasn't, it wasn't on the normal place where I, I could live stream. So I ended up watching the downhill for it was the downhill for the combined. And I ended up watching it on um, live timing. And so I saw that he didn't finish 
And, um, but the race wasn't, it wasn't interrupted. So I said, that's a good sign, you know, like, okay, there's no, there's no race. Everybody goes, if the race is everything. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I was going, okay, so that it's probably not too bad, but then it was probably about, I don't know, maybe half an hour later, I got a phone call from the doc, the American doctor that was at the hospital and he was with Ryan and he told me that he had a um, knee injury that he had gotten hurt and that it was pretty significant. Mm-hmm. And um, so, I mean, I just, it, it's like, you know, my response to the doctor when he called and said who he was and where he was, I said, I was really hoping I wasn't going to get this phone call. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it was, um, you know, it's like you just, your heart breaks. It, it's, it's, um, it's just hard to, to go through that. And, and to put it in perspective, that's the time he didn't break his neck. That phone call, he didn't break his right. neck. And, and, and yeah. Oh my Karen, God. I, I, I'll give this to you. When you got the phone call at Val Gardena last year, right? Did mm-hmm. Felix got hurt? Do you watch the races? How do you watch the races? How did you find out he got hurt? And how did you react? And what was your choice swear word when you found out? Yeah, I mean, that Felix has gotten hurt a lot, too. He, I mean, broken collarbones. He's broken both his hands. Um, he had a whiplash. We were there, actually there in Bormio when he, in the Super G, when he came down and and crashed and hit his head. They thought it was a concussion, but it turned out to be whiplash, which was pretty intense. He was getting Botox shots in his cheek and stuff to relieve the pressure on the nerve. And Val Gardana, it was just during the training run. So it was kind of the same thing. It was like the race interrupted and his coaches at the time were amazing. Um, He was in so much pain because when you do the patella tendon, it basically takes your patel- the, the kneecap up into your thigh. Ah. But when the tendon, I mean, that tendon is, it's thick. It's really thick. And so the whole kneecap goes up into his thigh. And then he did the ACL, the um, meniscus. I mean, he, he clobbered everything. So, you know, then it was a helicopter um, to Innsbruck. I'll have to say this. I went to Kitzbühel the year he broke his hand and his teammate was helicoptered out of Kitzbühel. And I've told my husband, I said, I will never go to that race again. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the amount of stress and the stomach ache and the, my, you know, your heart, you can feel it beating out here. I just, I won't do that again. It was it was fun to see just because the crowds are amazing at that race. It's like nothing you've ever, ever experienced before, but yeah, I'm a mess. I usually go cross country skiing when he races. I don't bring my, yeah, I, I just, I was like, I, I just need to be like by myself out doing something else. I, I get too nervous. Interesting. Joanne, when you're not on the hill running races, do you, watch your kids how do you watch your kids races do you is it live timing do you wait for phone calls do you even remember their racing 
I do. I um, so right now with Cass on the World Cup, I get up at that lovely hours oh. that do the live streaming. I mean, it's exhausting. <laughs> Never mind, poor athletes, but the parents get pretty exhausted with all the time things. But anyways, uh, so I watch on on TV if it's live streamed. Um, when it wasn't, like if they were in there in fists and they go down East or Rams. I sit there and with the live timing, I mean, it's, and it's, you're right. Like the minute you see DNF, I'm whoop, text in hand. Are you okay? <laughs> and, you know, and, and uh, we, we joked when, uh, when you called, but the first thing, any of my kids, if they call me, the first thing they say is mom, I'm okay. Because who knows like what they're doing. And, and it's not just ski racing. It's everything, right. They're driving themselves They're it, it, Well, it, the actual event of ski racing is one part, but there's so many other components. There's getting yeah. to all these lovely ski resorts yeah. that not the best driving conditions. And my kids, as soon as they had the license, they had a, they had the vehicle and they would drive themselves to the ski races. So it's a lot of worry as a parent. Knock on wood. Your kids have been fairly healthy so far. Everybody knock on wood at the same time. Please. Yeah, I got a nice wooden table here and I've been knocking on it since you guys started. <laughs> <laughs> What is, what is, let me ask you this. This is a big picture, big picture question, Joanne. What is the biggest fear? And what do you think the best outcome is? Well, to me, you know, um, bodily injury and, and, and injuries to your body are, are things that, um, that, that can, can hopefully be repaired. So I, it's not so much that I think if we went big picture to me, my, my fear is, is, um, is more of, of who they think they are based on a sport that they do. And my, my fear is that everything that they derive their person, they think that their person is derived through a sport, but they need to understand. And that we all know as, as adults and grown through it, that, you're bigger than the sport you do. You're bigger than what you do. Your, 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 your person has to be bigger than the sport. You know, it's how you treat other people. It's, it's, it's thanking the volunteers. It's doing all that. It's, it's being a good teammate. It's being, it's being a good kid to coach, you know, there's coachable kids. and, And I think that some of that's learned and some of that's innate in them, but there's all of those things. And I just want them to come out with confidence. I want them to come out with confidence and I want them to come out with friends and relationships that will last them a lifetime. And they can go back and they can look back on this time and think, wow, what a great three, 10, 15 years of my life. And it's, it's created the person that I am and shaped me, but it's not who I was, if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. Alpine skiing coaches know that video analysis is one of the most effective tools to improve athlete performance. But imagine, what if we could make video analysis simpler and even more effective? Proturn.io empowers you to take your video analysis to the next level by overlaying speed, acceleration, and turn data directly into your videos. This enhances video analysis, helps athletes of all levels dig deeper. With speed and acceleration right on the video, athletes can gain a more detailed understanding of the direct impact of their tactics and techniques. With ProTurn, video review sessions become more concrete and easier to understand. Take a closer look at your turns and start elevating your training. Visit ProTurn.io slash the next turn to get 10% off your ProTurn pack. ProTurn.io, train smarter, improve faster. 
And now back to our conversation with Joanne Gray, Barbara Ann Cochran, and Karen Monson on The Next Turn. Karen, can I ask you this question as a parent and non-ski racer? What is the return on investment? And have you reached that point where you feel like everything now in this sport is a bonus? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I totally agree with Joanne, too, because I have seen um, so much positive um, from my four boys racing. I mean, their friendships, they all went, Sweden, Sweden has a system where when they start high school, you know, and if they're good enough, they get to go to the, the ski academy high school, which is pretty close to where we live, but they live there um, from the time, you know, they're a freshman in high school. And um, so all of my four boys um, have gone there and the friendships that they've made um, and the camaraderie and the way they are with adults, I think ski racing too, um, I mean, cause it's so parent heavy. I mean, we were around them. It's such, you know, with everything, it's not like, you know, you drop them off at practice and then you leave. I mean, because we have parents that are volunteers for everything, um, you know, we're on the hill, we're at the ski races, we're doing the driving. And I think all the boys and the, the girls that I've seen that have grown up with ski racing, they're incredible around adults. I mean, they're really friendly. Um, they're fun to be with. Um, so I think the benefits have been amazing. Barbara, you're a, you're a sports psychologist. Do me a favor. Put that hat on for me. We're going to rent you out for a little bit. I didn't know that. Oh, that's yeah, actually. Okay, everybody, everybody's like paying attention now. Paying attention. Do me a favor. <laughs> I am. Yeah, I, and I, I, I've got to correct you because I'm not a sports psychologist. What I talk about is sports psychology, but it's I, I'm not licensed. I, I didn't go to medical school for okay. being a psychologist. Well, we get what we pay for then. We'll get what we'll pay for out of, <laughs> out of this. Do me, do, do me this favor. I was... I've got to speak with Ryan a couple of times on the podcast just recently, a couple of days ago. And again, he talked about a big part of his success is relieving pressure. When he is able right. to relieve pressure and decompress, um, he's able to perform at his best. It's really hard to do. Yeah. Um, especially I think kids can often feel the best of parents can pass on anxiety and worry. I can tell, I don't think it's going to be hard for Felix to tell if Karen's worried. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be hard for Cass to tell that Joanne is worried. What advice do you give not only parents, but athletes? How, how do you have that proper communication to set it up that way? So it is, you, you ski race, but you're not a ski racer. It's all going to be okay. What's the, what's the right way to do that? I just, I, I think from a parent's perspective, it's, um, it's like, what can you learn? What life's lessons can you learn from being a ski racer? That's really what, what it's all about. It, it, it's like, you know, and, and um, it's about putting in your best effort. That's, that's huge is, is that it's not about the results that you get, but it's about putting in your best effort when you're attempting to do whatever. I mean, it's as a parent, it's like there's been times that that I tell myself, come on, B.A., don't go down that road. And I do. <laughs> you know, it's like um, the first time he raced in Selden, he was racing far back. And I wanted to talk to him right after the race about how, how he felt he did, because I knew he'd be disappointed. And um, 
but I, I try to be positive and and he did not want to talk to me at that point and and because I I was asking him you know I saw you out of the start I saw you at the finish but the um but they they didn't show like the middle part the the steep part I said you know like how how was the race and and he said I was slow and I knew that <laughs> you know <laughs> and then then I said, um, well, how was the steep? Because I didn't get to see that piece on TV. And, and he said, it was steep. <laughs> so, so I was Good going. Good chat, Brian. Thank you. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I was going, okay, I know better. I'm not supposed to do that. But I just was like, I was just really wanted to, to talk to me about this race. And so, so then I just went bummer and I, I started telling him what was going on here. And, um, but the interesting thing for me was that a couple days later, then he talked to me about the race and how he felt. And, and, uh, so I think the biggest thing is do what Joanne said. I'd love to watch you ski. You know, that that's the message to get. It's like that they, they need to get. And and uh, another time I told him how proud I was of him. And he said, Mom, you should not be proud of me. I was slow. <laughs> and so then I went back and I said, no, I'm really proud of you because, you know, I'm proud of your perseverance. I'm proud of the hard work you've put in. I'm proud of the the, um, you know, the commitment that you've made to to really do the best that you can. I, I'm proud that you, you put your best effort into it. So I, I tried to give him all these reasons of the things that I was proud of him for and that it wasn't about the results. And, and uh, you know, I think when they understand that what their, their most important piece to the athlete is that they love to watch them um, participate. That's it. They don't care about the results. They love to watch them participate. Go ahead there, Joanne. When I'm at a ski race and, and I do the, a lot of the officiating. So I, I couldn't, sometimes I don't even know what bib number my kid is, even though I have a start list in front of me, I, I never really look to see where they are. And all at the end of the ski, uh, at the end of the run, and you, you see people on live timing, you'd never know that they're sitting right at the race because they're sitting here watching this. Mm -hmm. And I will know how my kids have done by who says, hey, congratulations to whatever their name is. And then if they don't say anything, then I know, oh, they're probably not. <laughs> I have no clue. I, and I do race reports at the end and sign off on them. I, I don't even look for my athlete. My athlete knows where I am because I tell them what position I have that day and they'll come and see me if they want to see me. Otherwise, you know, it, it, as, as, as Barb was saying, it's so much more than that start to finish in, in that race course. It's, it's getting to the race course. It's, it's saying thank you to the people around you. It's appreciating your course. There's 60 volunteers out there that have taken time out of their day and their life. And this is, what uh, at one day they they're all the pre-rep that they do before the race and everything the prep the least you could do is say thank you as an athlete and understand that this sport is bigger than you there's a lot of people that have come to support you but you're not the end all and be all you need to appreciate everything and that, that's kind of what I tell my kids I bet yeah. you do. I bet you do. I bet you say it a little more direct than that. I appreciate that. Well, it's perspective, right? They need to understand that because they get all taught up in this race and I'm racing. I've got to win, 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 points, points. Uh, if I heard when I first started and I heard points, I'm like, that word is not in this house. 
And they're like, what? I'm like, I know that's what you're striving for, but that can't be the only thing we're looking for because you got to control what you can control and you can't control your other competitors. And if they ski faster than you, then that affects your points. And I don't want to hear that. You can't control that. You can only control you. So if we're focusing on points, we're in the wrong sport. Amen. Amen. That's a lot of truth. Uh, Karen, this, this sport, as you, as you've learned is pretty cruel and unusual to its participants. It is borderline abusive at times. <laughs> um, and I think human nature wires us where we dwell on the tough days and not the, the good days. When you see Felix and your others, but when you see Felix kick his own ass or be meaner or crueler to himself than the sport is, what's your reaction? I'm with Barbara. I, I know what I'm supposed to do and supposed to say, but when I see them kick their own ass, I, I, I can't help but engage. <laughs> what's your take on how they treat themselves and how do you talk to Felix about respecting the hard nature of our sport and the cruelness of it? Yeah, I, I think Felix is actually, he's way better at it than I am. He's really good with that part of this sport. I mean, he takes it for what it is. Um, he knows, you know, like, you know, just now with, with, when he's been injured, he's been doing some commentating on the, you know, on the races for the Via Play, which is our streaming site for Scandinavia. And, you know, he, he'll say, you know, like, you know, oh, now the, the clouds have come in, you know, these racers have, you know, they don't have as good a sight as the ones, you know, when the sun's come out or, you know, because that's what the, I mean, the sport is like that, you know, um, the ruts get bad if you're at the back of the race and, and the weather and, and all that kind of stuff. But he, he kind of takes it all in stride. He doesn't beat himself up bad really I mean I think the hardest thing for him now is just this rehab thing they've had to go in twice to take off um, scar tissue buildup in his knee um, that's why he's not going to be racing this season he's already said you know I'm not going to be ready um, to race this season so I think that was a huge really hard decision for him and and there he beat himself up pretty bad um, so there we were just you know you just try and be there for him and that's the only thing you can do is just um, I'm really thankful because at a young age, he he realized that he needed mental support, like another person besides um, my husband and myself. So even when he was like 18 and was on the junior team, he like sought off, you know, sought after himself. Um, kind of it's like a family friend, but she's like a sports psychologist. And he's had her all these years. I mean, he tells her stuff that he doesn't tell um, my husband and myself. And I think that's been a good outlet for him that he has somebody else to, you know, that, and she's really good. She keeps it all. It's just between the two of them. And they talk about everything. Um, so I think that's a good release for him. Cause he knows that I get worried, you know, with injuries. And I know he thinks that, you know, his dad is really into, um, his gear and, you know, you know, cause he's been, he's a former racer and stuff. So I think it's nice for him to have somebody else to talk to besides the two of us. Yeah, I, I bet. Um, 
Joanne, a couple more questions for the lot of you, if you don't mind. Um, I want to think of how to say this without jinxing anybody. Uh, uh, Cass has been on the national team for two years now. Yes. She's had some success by some measures. As I look at Alpine Canada next year, mm-hmm. she may be on the bubble. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Of, of making the team or not. How, how do you think about that? How do you think about the organization's investment in your child? <laughs> and how do you start having that conversation? Like similar to, to Karen's youngest son, you have support, you don't have some support. How do you prepare for that? I know Cass went through some serious decision-making after high school to, to, to go to college, but what to do. How, how do you frame those upcoming events <laughs> as the best you can? You know, I think that's really why I decided to get involved in the in the kind of the structure of the sport per se, the provincial governing body. Um, with the provincial governing body being the chair, I was also part of um, a lot of the Alpine Canada and what's happening. And and you, I mean, everybody talks about it. I don't know. I can't believe we're still talking about it. But it's it's the development pathway. What is the development pathway? And, and can you please create it? And please let me know what the criteria is. Please stop moving it back and forth so that the athletes actually have a target that they can look to do and get to. We're not fortunate. I don't, well, in this sport, in Canada anyways, that we have the magnitude of athletes. We don't. We're, we're not a soccer. We're not a hockey. We don't have all these huge registrations. And yet you see a lot of people still working in their little silos. You know, oh, that's my athlete. Even clubs, that's my athlete. Oh, why are you talking to my athlete? No, 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 no. Athlete focused. Athletes are first. If that athlete is better for that person to talk to them versus that person, then let it happen. And I think that's where, where it bothers me the most is that I, I, I feel like we're losing the athlete focus. I feel like there's some decisions being made that, that you're not thinking about them first. And if they're not there, here's the news for you, you're not there either. So I don't understand. I, I just wish that, you know, and, and Cassidy, this year, and, and I'm sure you're, you know Karen that's come in from the, from the women's program. She's the head coach of the women's program now for... Karen um, Arjo, yeah. And she has made a huge difference in the athletes, huge. You know, Cassidy used to come home and she'd be like, I don't know what's going on. I have no idea. And now she comes home and she's calm. She's, she, she knows, same information, but she seems a lot more calm about it. And I think it's because she, A, she's one year wiser, but one year can't make that much of a difference. But then she knows her options right? Mm-hmm. And Karen is very upfront and she tells her where she thinks, where she thinks she is and what's going to happen. And, and unfortunately, there's some things that are in the system that Karen can't control. And, and that's understandable. And they, but they have to understand where, what their intentions are, what is their goal? And, and as Karen, what her goal is for Cassidy. And whether it happens or not, that's different. But at least she knows that there that there's faith in her, and there's and she's giving her confidence to continue and to persevere. And and right now, Cassidy's training is amazing. Like she's she's been doing great. And 
Cassidy's not usually one to compliment herself. Like, yeah, I'm skiing really well. Never does that come out of her mouth, but that has been coming out of her mouth. So now it's just that translation from training to race and, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, bringing it down when it comes to race day and focusing. And you saw Val, I mean, Val's been working on a, a podium for how long? And she just got one. Yeah. That's confidence. That's, that's the support team. That's athlete focused, you know, and, and all that comes, the criteria that has come out is the hardest in the world to make the team. You know, you have some of those athletes that are, that are on the top and they're thinking, I don't even know if I'm going to make the team next year, you know, and that's, that's actually in the back of their minds. That's, that's not it's healthy. not healthy. It's not a good place to be. I, I, Karen, how do you how did you approach that side of the sport, the selection process, the mm-hmm. the the national team? This this going to this camp that mm-hmm. how did how did you navigate that as a parent? It's been hard because um, I I agree again with Joanne. We like, you know, with the speed, I mean, Sweden's not a big speed nation. And um, Felix is um, very social. He loves having teammates. And three years ago, he was on the team all by himself with a Slovenian trainer. And um, he hated it. Um, you know, going to all the World Cup races and being by himself. And um, uh, it was really hard. He was like mentally depressed about it and was basically probably really close to quitting. Um, After this year, he's going to be by himself again. Um, Sweden has said that they wanted to have, as you know, a a speed team. And now they've kind of reneged on it. And they're not getting, there's no kids coming under um, and they're not, and the ones that do want to do it aren't getting the support. So it's, it's hard because those are kind of the things that are outside of your control. I mean, they're outside of my control um, and it's not something, a speed team is not something you just build up within one year. I mean, I've been kind of jealous of the Canadians because those are the guys that my youngest son, Zach, competed with at the junior worlds and Zach was like seventh at the junior worlds when we had him here in, in Sweden. And he still, they, you know, they just, and I look at all those, the kids now on the Canadian team and they're, you know, Crawford and, and Jeffrey Reed. And, and it's kind of like, you know, that's what happens when you, you take a group of kids and you like, you're like, know that speed takes time and they're not going to get those results, you know, their first year on the World Cup, their second year on the World Cup. It takes time. And so that's that's been frustrating um, as a parent um, because it's something that's out of my control. And, I mean, it's it's just sad when you really have – you have kids that really, really want to do it, and they just don't get the opportunity. I mean, Zach tried last year with a friend of his, they, they started their own ski team. They were called off grid ski team and they saw, they got their sponsors by themselves. They, you know, talked to the Federation because they were getting, you know, had to had to uh, register them for the Europa cup races, you know, they took an old car and they were driving all around Europe trying to get, you know, to these places. And I mean, their stories are hysterical because they had, it was an adventure, but then no one's like the other teams aren't taking them on 
for training because that's a huge risk to take other kids mm-hmm. on in a, in a training course, you know, because you get hurt, then all of a sudden one of their coaches is going to have to drive them to the hospital. So most other teams will not take on extra kids just in speed because of that risk. So it's, it's hard. Barbara, it was one of the ones that I prepped you for. (laughs) What did you learn through your parenting career that you wish, like, what are the key things that you wish you knew earlier as a ski racing parent? And again, that's a different perspective than maybe for Joanne and Karen, because you, you've gone through it. I'm taking notes. <laughs> yeah, we're all writing this down. <laughs> I'm kind of at a loss of words here, but um, you know, I think I think I look back at at my parents and I really feel like I heard one time, I think it was from an article that 98% of parents that that try and are involved with their their athletic kids um, are detrimental that they 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 really don't help out and uh and then there's about 2% that that do and so my feeling is um i feel like my dad was definitely in the 2% of parents that were real helpful and cuz i i feel like he really kept me kept me grounded and the other thing that he did was um i really felt like like he he always believed in me and believed in the rest of us. So I really came away from, from believing in myself. And I, I think that's, that's one of the things that I do try and do with um, any of the athletes that I work with and, and, um, and, and with Ryan, with Ryan, I, I tend, like, I try and be positive with them, but I, I still, I wish I knew better how, when I know he's disappointed, I wish I knew better what to say and how to support him because I feel like um, that's that's like that's tough. It's like I I I want to say the right things. Sometimes I wish that I could could be in my dad's psyche and just find out. Okay, in this situation, what would you say, Dad? And and. Uh, because I just felt like it was very, very calming, the things that, that he could say. And and just very I, supportive. I feel like we've had the same dad. I spend most of my life as a parent trying to, what would my dad do? What would he say? Yeah. Yeah. Joanne, what, what, again, you, you've gone full bore, full immersion into this sport. What is it that, that you wish you knew and are now your formula or your tenets of parenting in this sport? Well, I would actually go to Karen's point about the intimidation of ski racing. Um, whenever I coach a course or I do anything, and I do quite a bit on the club level and, and in the province, then everybody belongs in a race course. Everybody belongs in a race course. <laughs> Karen's saying amen, hands, she's, you take it yeah. to church, take it to church. Yeah, I mean, you know, you can, this is rocket science, what we do out there. We break it down to 60 people on a race course. You can click a watch and tell the other person what the time is. And, and then you're in the start. Everybody belongs in a race course. That's the first thing I say to anybody. I do this little um, racing 101 and they can ask me any question and there's not a stupid question. And I get questions like, can you tell me what, where I buy rock skis? 
rock skis are just old skis, twin tips that the kids use for, for their training when they're not on a race course and they're free skiing. But thank you. I, thank you for explaining that to those people on the East coast. I don't, I don't, I don't laugh. I don't do anything. I just say, Hey, yep. That's what it is. You know, cause everybody belongs in a race course. And I wish I knew that because I was, I was, I'm kind of a little bit more outgoing. So I went right in there and I went and I did it, but I wish everybody else knew that. And I also wish that they had a perspective that little Susie or Johnny going down that race course on a U10 or a U12, also U14, U16 race course, that single race is not going to define where they go and who they are. And I, I, I mean, even in FIS, you know, they're, everybody's finally getting up to the right body size and where they're going to be. Okay, now let's see where you are. And hopefully you still have a passion for the sport and you haven't been beat down enough by them. And that's what I wish that, that I knew before. Welcome back. Special thanks to Karen Monson, Barbara Ann Cochran, and Joanne Gray for an incredible education by just sharing their experience and knowledge. I, I um, really do appreciate that candid conversation. It is now time for our Swix Thoughts of the Day. As always, I'd encourage you all to share your Swix Thoughts of the Day with us at thenextturnpodcast.com. It is now time for us to share our Swix Thoughts of the Day. Jeff, what are you thinking? What are your thoughts of the day? Well, first of all, guys, uh, I want to say thank you to all three of these women and mothers and volunteers in our great sport of ski racing. It was awesome to um, get to know them through your conversation. Um, I didn't know Karen before, and I certainly have, you know, uh, of Barbara Ann because of our conversations with her son, Ryan. But man, they all have some different perspectives, as Kara pointed out, but all similar. They raised great humans. And we've talked about this, I don't know how many times, guys, when we're just getting together and chatting with what our roles are as parents and coaches. You know, yes, we want them to be great ski racers and love the sport of skiing, but more importantly, we want them to be good humans. And I had the pleasure of meeting Joanne Gray while she was the TD at the Panorama Fist Races a bunch of years ago. And those six kids, I'm sure, raised themselves mostly because... She was on the hill and her husband was on the hill. They were all out there ski racing and they must have had to learn how to feed themselves at a really young age. But, um, you know, it's what really resonated with me is what Joanne said about getting out there and giving back to the sport as a parent. Right. You don't have to be just standing there watching. I'm sure you're going to talk about that, Martin, but be out there, volunteer, say thank you and be grateful for being able to do this great sport that you have the opportunity to do when so many others don't. I appreciate those thoughts, Jeff. Kara, what are you thinking? What are your Swix thoughts of the day? Well, I agree so much with what Jeff said. And, and to you, Martin, this is a really great idea for an episode. Uh, it was really kind of Joanne, Barbara, and Karen to be so open and honest with us about their collective experiences. And it's so amazing to me that these women from such different backgrounds agree on so much. Um, and they've each found a way to be involved somehow in ski racing. And they're actively teaching their children to be gracious, to thank their coaches and race volunteers, because obviously they, and I agree with them, believe it's important for athletes to understand that there's so many other people who give their time and considerable effort to make ski racing possible. Um, so, but personally, as a mom of two ski racers, I found a lot of comfort 
in what they said, especially when they talked about giving their children uh, space after a tough result, because that is really difficult to do. Um, as a parent, you want to be there for them, especially if they're hurting. Last weekend, my son DNF'd in a race and I knew he'd be upset. It took everything I had not to go to him. And I wondered if I'd done the right thing by not going to him. Um, I was imagining him cold and alone on the chairlift, beating himself up. Um, but later on, I found out that he hooked up with a buddy and went and hit 360s in the train park up until his second run. And so I was so proud of him in that moment for loving skiing enough to put a bad result behind him and, and just go be a 15-year-old kid for an hour or so. And that's what I heard from Joanne, Karen, and Barbara, what they're saying about messaging to their kids. Tell them, I love to watch you ski. I'm proud of you because of the commitment you've made, the effort you've put in. It's not just about the results. I love to watch you participate. And I agree so much that teaching your child that they're more than just a ski racer is vitally important because this sport, as we know, is so tough uh, and athletes can, can be even tougher on themselves. So we can't let ski racing be their entire identity. They're bigger than just the sport that they do. That's powerful. That's powerful stuff, Karen. Thank you. My ideas echo both of you in a lot of ways. With honest intent, I think parents have to find a way to be involved in this sport. The most valuable thing a club or a team has is energy and inertia. And if you can be a part of it and help head in a direction and get your oar in the water, it's way better than standing on the sideline watching and saying, it's not going fast enough or what directions it going. So I'm begging you, please get involved. The philosophy that they're sharing, Jeff, you and I have talked about a lot with your kids in the sport is almost like benevolent neglect. I, I love you enough to sort of struggle in this sport. Um, and that's what this sport is incredibly great at when it's at its best. It's a, it's a tough environment. It will rough up your kids but it's, it's an incredibly supportive community that, that will help. And that's an important lesson for parents to take away. We were speaking earlier, one of my favorite stories about my dad, top-notch parenting, best I could tell, is I, I was headed away to a race where I was expected to do pretty well and expectations were high. And my dad at the airport put in two different cards in, in my boot bag and said, one is if you do well and one is if you don't do so well. Gone for a week, I, I actually did all right. I opened up the card that said, congratulations. And I opened it up and I read it. He said, I'm proud of what you're doing. I'm proud of your hard work. I'm proud of how hard you worked in the summer. I, I'm proud of your resilience and your dedication to it. And I thought, that's a pretty cool card. A couple of days later, I looked at the one in case I didn't do well. And it was exactly the same card, same message. And to me, that's just a parenting win. Carrie, you talked about being proud of, of, of your kids and being specific of why you are proud um, really matters and makes a difference. I think there's a lot there. I'm really interested to hear what other parents and other coaches and other program directors have to say, but I think we could change this sport if we put one of these three women at the bottom of every U12 and every U14 race in North America and hold court and just tell them, what it's all about that perspective that they have that balance that steady keel is incredibly valuable to our sport so thank you to karen thank you to barbara and thank you to joanne for sharing your knowledge and experience thank you all for listening we'll leave that here for this week until next week we will see you soon on the next turn be well